In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. <clears throat> you know, when the sun is not out, I feel like I'm about to tell you a ghost story sitting around the fireplace. It's kind of dark. So we are in the middle of a fall theme where we're talking about God doing new things. And we have been turning that crystal and talking in kind of three dimensions around the idea of God doing new stuff in the world. And we've talked about this from many different angles, about how God pursues us, about God speaking to us and us kind of preparing to listen. And even when we try to respond, how that can sometimes be stymied. And today we get a lesson about prayer. Prayer is one of those central ideas. When we talk about the awareness of God doing new stuff in the world, prayer is central to our capacity to see what God is doing and then to be part of that good work. So what is prayer? Prayer is something that can be overcomplicated very easily. But essentially, prayer is talking to and seeking after God. It is relatively simple. Now, we often think of prayer in a slightly different way, as if prayer is the way that we get the stuff that we want. When we say the right prayer in the right way at the right time, then we're going to get the result we're looking for. And that can be a bit problematic. At its best, prayer is really what helps us practice our own awareness of God. We are called in prayer to adopt a spirit of attentiveness. It's not necessarily giving God the thing God wants in order to get the thing we want. But instead, when we pray, we help ourselves to center. We help ourselves to become attentive to what God is doing because out of our faithfulness, we know God is doing stuff in the world. We as Anglicans know God is not trapped back in the pages of the Bible, but instead is still revealing truth in the world all the time in prayer. Prayer is that good habit to help us be attentive to what God is doing. Now, I once heard prayer described as sort of like a game of hide-and-seek. When's the last time you played hide-and-seek? In particular, when's the last time you played hide-and-seek with a very young child? Now, I'm going to tell you what. I loved hide-and-seek, and when I was a teen in church, we used to do these, like, big, massive, like extreme hide and seek, where we would do things like climb up on the roof of the house and try to hide from the people who were seeking us. I'm not talking about that kind of hide and seek. I'm talking about when you've got a sweet four-year-old and you run and hide somewhere, you know, as an adult, if you legitimately hide well, the game will never end and the child will be super frustrated. And so what do you do as an adult? You hide kind of. And you make sure you've got like a foot sticking out, or maybe the door is ajar, or the curtain's very lumpy so that they can tell where you are, right? I heard someone once describe hide-and-seek as like playing with a child, as prayer, like hide-and-seek with a child. Because God, in a sense, is always making himself aware to us so that when we seek after God, we can find God and God's presence everywhere we look. Now, this idea of wondering about prayer is nothing new. In today's gospel lesson, just before we read this, the disciples actually asked Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? And so today's lesson is based on Jesus's response to his disciples about how they're supposed to pray. And Jesus gives them a genuinely funny parable. 
This parable from Jesus is one of his cheekier moments. Jesus essentially sets the scene like, this is a terrible place. And there is a woman who is annoying, and there is a judge who is a bad guy, and scene. And so Jesus offers a parable of a judge who doesn't really care about anybody, including God and the people, and a woman who wants what she wants right now the way she wants it. And essentially, this woman keeps going to the judge again and again and again. And I can imagine the judge at like 2 a.m. up in his townhouse, he's trying to sleep, and the woman's banging on his door and yelling at the window. And finally, the judge comes to the window and says, "Ah, I will give you what you want if you just stop and go away. And Jesus says, prayer. And what's hard for us is it does almost sound like we are meant to be persistent to the point of annoying. And you see, we know these people. We know the woman who won't stop until she gets what she wants. And we know the person who's the judge who is in a place of authority but doesn't care at all. And some of us might be these people. And Jesus says, here's a good example of what it's like to pray. Prayer can be maddening and frustrating. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that prayer is this beautifully wonderful thing that you will experience every time you try. No, actually, much of the time when we say our prayers, we can lean into the frustration of not actually getting the response or the result that we're looking for. We can pray for healing. We can pray for protection. We can pray for direction, all seemingly without a clear response. Our frustration is really rooted in the idea that right praying gets us the right result. We see this kind of struggle in Genesis lesson that we heard today as well. Jacob is on his way home, and now let's remember our little Bible study moment. Jacob is a twin. He ran, well, he didn't run away from home, but Esau is much bigger, his twin brother, and he kind of made Esau mad. And so when he left home, he was afraid Esau would beat him up when he got back. So Jacob has been gone a very long time. And as Jacob is on his way home, he's thinking Esau might still be mad at him. And so he sends his entire family away to kind of protect them, even though in the way the story is told, it kind of sounds like Jacob's a chicken, but we'll put that aside. So Jacob is in this moment where he is attempting to go home and he is afraid of his brother. Now we know how this feels because all of us have in some way kind of gone out into the world. We've given it a good shot. We've gone out to achieve and to be successful and to try to change and to try to grow. And yet we all might still, even after having done all these things, no matter how professional we think we are and how achievement oriented we think we have been, we will still struggle with a sibling who has made a bad choice. And we will still stress about a parent who denies aging. And we will still wrestle with an old friend or an ex who just seems to make life more difficult. We understand that no matter what we kind of go out and do and how we think of ourselves, that there is still a lot about our family that can make us feel like we're that old child once again. And Jacob here is going home and he's afraid of his brother. And Jacob wants so much for this to work out well and so when this person appears and they begin to wrestle, Jacob wants a blessing. 
Jacob wrestles with this person until he gets the blessing we want and finds out he has wrestled with God. How satisfying would it be at moments in our lives to be able to wrestle with God and to try to pin him to the ground and to say, I want the thing I want. Give me this blessing. Answer my prayer. It is so satisfying to think that we could be that kind of way with God. But yet, we don't really have that opportunity. This sense of prayer as a way of being attentive to what God is doing in the world is something totally different than what we see Jacob do. Back to the gospel, finding and hearing God, depending on God, anchoring ourselves on the truth of God, that, that way, that way of Christ is why we are here. Prayer is how we actually develop the kind of life of faith we seek. Jesus knows we struggle, and Jesus knows we will continue to struggle, and so Jesus tells us to pray each day, to pray multiple times each day. Jesus tells us to create a habit of prayer that will change us, because a habit of prayer slowly shifts our energy toward God and away from the world. A habit of prayer will help us resist worrying about what's right or wrong in the world, but instead will help us to offer everything up to God in a conversation that does not end, without any expectation of worldly fulfillment, but instead with the expectation of presence and relationship and the sustenance we so deeply desire. A habit of prayer is how we begin to give ourselves over to God, and that giving changes us. Prayer helps us to prioritize our time so that we make time for the kind of important anchor moments of life like this that we need so desperately. The habit of prayer helps us prioritize our talents in service to others so we give ourselves over to one another here inside and outside our walls. And the habit of prayer helps us to prioritize our treasure so that our possessions do not possess us, that we give ourselves over in that worldly sense so much that we invest ourselves so deeply to be the people God made us to be. Prayer is a habit that changes us little by little and constantly so that we are growing closer and closer to God. Today, as we continue to consider what God is doing new in the world, in us and through us and through our church, I think it's time to get to talking with God. It's time to get to seeking after God because God is present. And with the habit of prayer deepening our commitment to one another, we will find that God is everywhere, just waiting for us to see. Amen. <laughs>